So welcome to episode two of Conversations on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. And I'm joined on the panel today by Liz, Sabine and Hill. And episode notes were done by Kata and myself. So welcome, everyone. Hi. Thrilled to be here. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) So this choice. You can take your chances outside with the locos or you can join us, but on our terms. We all share what we have, we work together, and maybe we stay safe. Maybe. So season one, episode two, uh, screenplay was done by Nick Doughty, and it was directed by Wayne Terrell. And the episode synopsis will be read out by Sabine. A mysterious figure watches the group at the mall as Amber informs Dell that they can't abandon their others. The group decides to form a new tribe of their own, make their home in the mall, and sharing supplies and resources to forge a safer future. But what to do with the prisoners? With little choice, Amber offers Lex, Ryan and Zandra opportunity to join the tribe on the group's terms. Cool, so let's um, kick off episode two. Um, but let's discuss this big key scene with the locos. Uh, it's a really, really powerful message um, about the destruction of all the old knowledge and this new way of life that the locos are trying to present to everyone. Um, what did you originally think when you first saw that scene? No more schools! No more teachers! No more books! Power and chaos! I think it was brilliant. It's it shows that they really think that the only way to truly secure power. They have to ensure that they're the only way to go to get out of the chaos that's going on. And, well, you need chaos for that, so you create it. I mean, they were definitely creating their power in chaos, but <sighs> burning books, man, that's just not cool. Just knowing how much, like, lost history and things, like, if they successfully wiped out all the books, would have been lost, which is just sad. Do you think Zoot was a bit short-sighted in that he... Oh, definitely. He should have used the knowledge of the past to create his new reality basically but he said he decides to destroy it all well like what is i don't think it's a quote in the tribe but it there is a quote that those who don't learn from the past are deserved what is it condemned to repeat it so i think yeah not having that knowledge is just going down the wrong path Mm. it does speak to his immaturity he wants all this power he wants to his he and his warriors are going to take over the world but he doesn't have a plan for it you know they just hang out in a train yard causing havoc but they don't have any actual plan to take over the world and it's very it's clear his regime is not going to last very long and uh and it it i think it really sets up the idea that these kids they can't fall back on the adult ways to save them because this world is basically trying to destroy the old ways. They have to find a new way forward. And, but yeah, it's definitely short-sighted and it says so much to how much of a kid he is. You know, he doesn't have a plan. He's not a great leader. He's not going anywhere. (laughs) It was a very like 16 year old angsty kid move of like, let's burn the books, get rid of school, get rid of teachers. 
this is a new world. And it so. stands in contrast when our own heroes, when they have to solve some problems, what do they look at? They find books, they find information to solve their problems. <laughs> but maybe that was exactly what he was going for. He realized that knowledge is power. And what better way to keep the people down than to keep knowledge from them? By burning the books, he makes sure they won't have the knowledge. Yeah, but there are still better ways. I don't know if I can give him that much credit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There are better ways. Like, I think you have a great point, like, Sabine. That is exactly what someone ought to do. But I just don't think he was smart enough to be thinking on those terms. He was just like, look at me. I'm doing something verboten. I'm burning books, baby. <laughs> yeah, but if you look at Fires are impressive. <laughs> they, they are. But if you look at it, they refer back to him later as... He was a really big nerd as a kid, so he would have realized that knowledge was power. And he, he wanted to write his own history, so he didn't want the books that were able to fall back on. That was the whole kind of thing, but you know, you only have so much that knowledge that the books would have been helpful. I mean, that that brings us on to like the next part because like. The Loco's kind of creed of power and chaos. He did. He, he didn't have a plan, really, did he? He just wanted to create as much chaos as possible. But the Locos were never going to last. No, no. But did they realize that? No, they're just kids. No, they're just kids living in the moment, having a great time, being able to do whatever they want. And I don't think Martin was ever especially intelligent. I don't think it was ever mentioned that he was a very smart boy. Um, when you get flashbacks of him or even when he's talking he does not sound like a well-spoken or well-read or intelligent kid he sounds like an entitled spoiled brat throwing a tantrum that's what he is let's be honest he's basically the definition of smells like teen spirit (laughs) 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 yeah he looks it even like yeah yeah I was his age when that song was all the rage. Yeah. <laughs> right? Just like, yeah. He's just very Lord of the Flies. You know, he's just, <laughs> I can do this. There's nothing to stop me. And he was one of the first kids who said, we can do this. There's no one to stop us. Mm-hmm. That's why he was thought of as a visionary. But it wasn't because he was particularly intelligent. Yeah. I think he was just the loudest of the bunch. Mm. And an, an easy way to win over a stupid crowd is by giving them what they want. Cut off all ties with the past, set yeah. stuff on fire. No more school, no more teachers. It is a great statement for to set for his tribe. So yeah. Yeah. But his intentions aside, it is a powerful statement for this world that they live in. And it does make it very very frightening when you realize you can't fall back on the rules or the laws of the old world because those in power aren't abiding by them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. It should work. I've got the special aerial and everything. Maybe if we took it outside. It wouldn't matter. Well, thanks, Einstein, but could you tell me how you reached that brilliant conclusion? The radio's fine. It's everything else that's wrong. One of the earliest things we see on the episode is um, Jack and Dow having the discussion over the radio where Jack is attempting to communicate with anyone else out there in the world. Um, 
when you, when you looking back and thinking about that scene, I mean, what was your first thought? Did you, did you think back then that it was realistic that every single adult had died? Um, like statistically, did you think that some adults should have survived? So do you think Jack was actually right in trying to get into contact with them? Or do you thought he was a bit kind of silly to be wasting all his energy on trying to find the adults? Like, what were your thoughts about that scene? Uh, the optimism of it always struck me. Like, you, I, I wanted to full on believe that all of the adults were gone because that was what was presented. Mm-hmm. But I liked that there was still someone who had hope that maybe they weren't all gone. And it's, it's very much the empowering, like, you know, even when things seem at its darkest, like there's always a reason to keep hope, keep the dream alive, to throw that in there. So I liked it. Just a little moment. I don't know whether or not I thought all the adults were dead at that point. Um, but I did think what that what Jack was doing was smart. I mean, yeah, you know, that's exactly what you would do when you're cut off from the rest of the world. You're trying to communicate. Is there anybody out there in any form you can possibly do it? You're trying to communicate, send smoke signals. I'm here. Are you there? You know, um, so that you you know you don't want to be alone you need to pool your resources you need to know is there what anyone out there and i think it was very smart that's one of the first things i would have certainly done um but i do think that dal had a point that we can't sit here hoping to be rescued we can't live in this bubble that this is all going to go away this is our reality this is what we're dealing with and like dal says this is not fire practice <laughs> you know this is a real deal you know and um it, it's definitely, in, you know, shows that it is smart for Jack to be trying to find help, but it also shows that he's desperately waiting for this all to just go away and for, you know, someone to parachute in and say, okay, you know, we figured this out. And Dal's telling him, you can't, we don't know. It, maybe someday someone will, but we can't hope for that. We have to take care of ourselves. To me, it made sense that Jack would think there would still be people out there because I mean, there were all those stories back in that era about people hiding in bunkers and like people were, some people in power were prepared for stuff like atom bombs and all that crap. So it would make sense to try and reach out and see if those people didn't just go into hiding before the virus took them. I mean, he was technically right because obviously in the books, <laughs> what happens right. there? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we don't talk about those. <laughs> <laughs> we, about we do not talk about those. But, yeah, Jack, Jack, Jack was right. He, he was Jack right. Was right. He was right. But we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just mentioned he was waiting for someone to parachute in. The technos did. <laughs> First thought in my head was, and when they did, they weren't happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> But I think, you know, it's a good, it's a good, like, um, hold out hope, but also be realistic about it. Like how Liz said about you can't constantly be in your bubble. You know, yeah, I think if we were all in that position, we would probably go to a radio and try and make contact with someone. We wouldn't spend all day doing it, but then we would check in and then go do our stuff and then check in. Yeah. So I think it's very realistic. I'd find a nerd to do that for me. But like... (laughs) You know, well, this is day two where, you know, it. he hasn't had another person yet. 
So he's used to doing it all by himself. So as one person, he would probably go back and forth between his little secret food stash and the radio. It's also a very good um, example of how much these guys need each other because you've got Dal, who's the pragmatist, and Jack, who's a man of the future, basically, the futurist. And um, Jack has a good idea, but it has to be tempered by Dal's pragmatism because, you know, like when Jack's allowed to just say focus on his one idea, it's very, you know, just in his own little tube, he can't see anything else outside it. He would sit at that radio all day, every day, you know, and it's Dal who has to say, dude, dude, that's not the worst idea, but there's other things yeah. that need taken care of. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like you need to be somewhere in the middle. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I do love how the two kind of balance each other out. I think yeah. they did have a really good friendship at the start. I, I like, enjoyed the two together. And I, I do believe that's what this scene was trying to establish was like their working relationship of like Dal bringing Jack back in to be like, yo, we also have to do other things, like leave the radio <laughs> alone right now. Let's go. There are girls to be had. Or whatever. <laughs> Step away from the- I mean, it's true. <laughs> and Ellie filled that role later, like, somewhat. You know, Jack kind of always needs another person to kind of reel him back from whatever yeah. he's fixating on. Yeah, to make sure he doesn't hyper-focus. Yeah, so whether that be Dal or I almost said Danny or Ellie or whoever it may be in the books that we don't talk about. Hey, even with Ram. Yeah. I thought it was Mega. Mega a little bit and Ram, I think, because he worked on the the pain program with that Mega. Mm Mm-hmm. He looked so happy behind his computers. Yeah. I think Jack is just the guy who always needs somebody to kind of help steer him. He is the Tony Stark. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that makes Dal Pepper pie. (laughs) That's adorable. So perfect. I love it. I I can't get that image in my head now. Yeah, now that you said that. It's quite quite up, yeah. (laughs) I need to draw this. That's adorable. (laughs) Yes, you do. I have the biggest smile on my face right now about that. (laughs) Right. I've got to find out what's going on. Jack, you look after the others. Del, you come with me. You won't last five minutes. See, that leads us nicely on to a subject about all the different groups that have started to form within the mall. Um, yeah, what do you think about everyone's kind of mindset at the moment? So you've got Amber, who's trying to make sure everyone's got a voice and that everyone's heard and represented. Um, you've got Lex and Ryan, who kind of the security aspect. You've got Jack on technical, Dow on being more practical and pragmatic. Um, yeah, what do you think about the relationships that have started to be formed already within the mall? It's society. Yeah. I, I, I think this is when I realized, oh, this is what this is about. You know, they all represent an aspect of society and how some aspects are more productive than others. Some may seem more necessary than others. Some may seem like a waste of space and time, and, and yet every single one of them is necessary for the society to function. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a matter of finding how to get all of these pieces into the machine 
working correctly and how difficult that is. I think it's a great metaphor for kids. We're trying to understand why can't the world just work right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. This is why it's very difficult. All these characters are personally motivated and they have their own point of view and their own reasons for the things they do. And it's not so simple. Even when you have the best idea, trying to get everyone on board with ideas, very, very hard, near to impossible. And yet this is what they have to do if they're meant to survive. Awesome. And I don't think I noticed it as much as a kid, but like looking back, it's very much to use the onion metaphor. Like we have a city and then in the city we have the tribe and in the tribe we have like these little subgroups (laughs) of like society and it's taking them big into like a little tiny slice that you can look in on, which I like. And every as- every aspect of society has a positive and a negative. You know, even Amber, who is the voice of reason and she's the leader, but even she has negative sides where she can take it too far and her, her need to control everything and keep everyone on the path that she thinks is correct and often chafes when she has to come up against someone else's belief system. Every oh, yeah. single one of them, oh, yeah. you know are necessary but they can all be taken too far which he often does i mean you have lex you need his strength you do need his muscle you do need warriors who are willing to fight you know it is necessary to keep your society safe but of course you can't let them run roughshod over everybody you know you do need people who appreciate beauty and fun like zandra but you can't let them live up in the clouds all the time because things have to get done and so on and so forth you need an idea man like jack but you also need someone who has a human touch you know <laughs> and, you need pepper pots to really right, exactly you know you need you need dreamers like bray but you also need people who are willing to actually do something rather than just dream you need reproduction, you know? Um, so like everybody has a point to existing, but at the same time, if that was the only aspect of society, it would still fail. There really were no f- throwaway characters. No. Like, okay. which I thought was always really cool. Like everyone served a purpose. Even Celine. Celine was the one to look after all those little kids. Because someone had to. May may not have seemed like the most productive person at the time. Oh, but very important. But but very important, because if she didn't do it, the kids would get in the way of all the other things that needed to be done. Love and nurture is very important. You know, the children felt very beloved by Celine. It's not just enough to take care of their needs physically, but you need to take care of their needs emotionally. And Celine was very good at that. She made them feel safe. You know, um, and that is extremely necessary to the mental well-being of our youth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the tribe does like give a really good message about having to work with different people and their own insights and their own dreams, their own inspirations, and trying to come together as a whole. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the conflict that can come with that. But um, I, it's interesting when you mentioned like someone like Amber, who's tried to direct everybody the best way she can but um amber herself comes in conflict quite a lot like with um someone like tyson <laughs> you simply can't direct at all uh, like, create some interesting <laughs> scenarios um 
I mean, we'll get to that later, but yeah, what did you think of that kind of conflict? I loved it. I, yeah. I really, I do like Amber. I don't have any problems with her, but um, I do think it's important that Amber sometimes really does get stuck on her high horse because she's got great ideas. She has got a purpose. She knows what she's doing, but she does chafe when she comes up against someone who has just as strong a point of view as her oh, yeah. and cannot be persuaded. And that's important because that happens. And um, she don't, she don't like it. She don't like it. <laughs> her response to Tyson is at first she was really happy because she saw Tyson as another cog in the machine. But when she realized that Tyson could not be directed, <laughs> she was just like, Arr. why can't all you people just work right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tyson was very much like a wrench in the machine. Like they didn't know what to do when she popped up perfect metaphor for spiritualism yeah <laughs> like no but like why did chloe have to bring this one like all of the people in the city you got the space cadet hey at least he had her healing skills oh yeah well she instantly uh, knew what to do with chloe's sprained ankle that sort of knowledge she had a use i'll go into tyson deeper on a later date but uh <laughs> <laughs> we need to prepare ourselves <laughs> we need a whole episode <laughs> Oh, that's a, that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> I would have loved to see Amber's personality combined with Danny's, though. That would have been one epic clash. That would have been interesting. I still think Danny was there to replace Amber. Yeah. Like, it just would have been nice to see it, but I feel like they're kind of similar in so many respects that it's... Yeah. Like, my brain kind of falls out, and it's just kind of like, no, I can't run the numbers on this. I, I always like Danny better, so <laughs> there might be that. <laughs> oh. oh, looking forward to season two. <laughs> yeah, whoa. <laughs> we will revisit this. <laughs> we'll come back to that later. <laughs> Jack? I um, haven't got much. Not much is better than nothing. Show us. That's it. That's all I've got. Speaking of the tribe and the characters, um, let's talk about like the first kind of tribal moment. The moment when all the tribe comes together as a group. And that's kind of when um, they start to offer each other food. What did you kind of think about that scene? Did you think it was a bit too early for that to happen, for them to come together like that? Or do you think it was natural? Like, oh yeah, we're stuck here, we need to share food. Um, yeah, what do you think about that? That's pretty normal. Um, we are, as humans, social creatures. We are genetically programmed to try to work together and recognize that we need to work together. And so it made perfect sense that that would be Amber's first thought like, okay, we've got all these people, we need to work together. And even Jack, you know, recognizes, I need you guys because I'm not going out this mall to find more food. And, you know, um, but what I do like about it is that just having the idea of cooperation isn't enough. And there's no way to guarantee that it's going to work out. Because yeah. even when they're sharing food, Jack is very reluctant to share what he does have. And even then he's still holding out. And it, it gets to the core problem of, well, I guess almost socialism, 
because you're and I'm not, I'm not I don't have an opinion on socialism I just mean uh, that the idea that if everyone is giving then everyone gets equal you can understand why some people have issues with it because you've got Jack here he is he's got the place he's got the mall he trapped the bad guys he's got all of his food why should he have to give it all up to these people who come in and have so little to contribute you can understand how it's so hard to get everyone on board with that idea of cooperation because you can't trust everyone to actually give and put out there and only take their fair share it's the beginning of that issue that you're going to see in the tribe there's all these people always looking out for their own best interests and how difficult it's a great idea but how do you implement it properly mm-hmm. minus jack like just looking at everyone sharing food besides jack because he's got his own thing going on you know these are very vulnerable kids and they don't have a lot to share so the fact that they're willing to share food is also just a very good moment or great moment even or you see them coming together and breaking bread and it's very symbolic which is cool yeah it was very it was quite an awe moment when patsy yeah. had her, her sweets it was like oh yeah like oh cool <laughs> she gets it too together. Like, yeah she was so to- sweet and i totally wouldn't have done it because i'd be like <laughs> i i don't know when i'm gonna get more candy and i don't trust you people <laughs> but that's the thing too like you know at the end of the day these are kids and like if i put over my can of food like how do i know you're not gonna lock me up two more minutes like exactly I, I don't know if i trust you enough but right now in this moment i'm i'm putting my faith in you to hopefully have a bigger community or what and it's kind of a, a cool leap of faith to see children make even if it is scripted like i like to believe that these are real people making these decisions but what a- <laughs> yeah speaking of which obviously the tribe was quite good at kind of seeding and planting the seeds for future storylines did you did anyone spot back then that jack's reluctance was because he had a secret food stash i don't know if i noticed it quite as a child like back then but you know maybe i don't know i maybe he was a little sketchy but i don't know if i necessarily noticed it back in the day i just saw his reluctance as a very natural like it's clear he had more than they did and you know how it is very convenient and it would definitely benefit amber and her friends way more if jack shared what he had but how much is it going to benefit him i thought it was a natural response to him because he made it clear from the beginning you know he let them in because they could help him and now it's like oh now i'm supposed to give you my food i don't know if i'm going to be getting anything out of this i'm trying to survive and i've been doing okay by myself so i didn't know if he was hiding anything more but i just felt it was a very realistic reaction for him to have mm-hmm. yeah because i don't know if i would have been eager to share everything out i had especially because you know amber she's very quick to just take control and your <laughs> Jack is almost immediately regretting letting her in. <laughs> like, wait, 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 wait. This is my place. I just saved you. And Amber's like, that's great. Anyway, now <laughs> this is how we're going to run things. How do you get to the sewers? Uh, just through the Passaburo's middle door. Can anyone get in? They could do. I haven't had a chance to secure it. Okay. Speaking of which, we have to talk about that. Um, <laughs> 
Jack's lack of preparation, like he's he's in the mall, it's been looted, he's got his secret food stash, and how has he not secured the sewers? Like because it <laughs> remind him of what needs to be done. I just I think because it was one kid in such a big place that maybe he thought like he could weasel his way out like there's enough doors there's enough ways of getting around that maybe he really only stuck to his like work well he even says he sticks mostly to his workshop area and like where his secret stash is that it probably just didn't seem like a thing he needed to do because one kid in a big mall you could hide easily yeah and you're not going to attract much of attention you're not making noise it's easy to hide if someone comes in and loots exactly like you know it was all looted well it was but that doesn't mean someone won't won't get curious it's a big place there might be something i just i think for one person in such a big area he could hide more efficiently than securing the sewers that's probably like a bigger job and you would be easier mm-hmm. to just hide somewhere else like hide in a shop go into like the back storeroom of a one of the stores like i'm i'm actually wondering if one of the tribes really looted that mall with how little stuff there's broken there's gravity but there's not like big destruction but there um, was. Yeah, we see a bit of a mess and obviously graffiti, yeah. but yeah. Um, and I mean, there's not much there. But yeah. then again, it's also a shopping mall. And I can't see tribes taking beds and mattresses. That's big. That's going to slow you yeah. down. You know, maybe they took pillows. But if you're in a shopping mall, there's a ton of pillows in a furniture store. They probably couldn't carry everything so i think there's i think there was just so much excess that if it was looted there's probably still a lot to go around besides most of that stuff doesn't have the same value when the world ends that exactly you know what i mean when you're trying to just simply survive you're gonna loot food you know you're not gonna loot clothes from a lingerie shop you know look mostly looted yeah i thought it looked reasonably looted because most of the stuff that they have isn't worth anything in their world they got a ton of stuff, but it isn't worth anything on the market. They have to create yeah. worth. They have to create power because they don't have anything that matters to anybody out there. And I mean, even like Jack's camping stove, like, yeah, that's a cool commodity, but it runs on gas. Like you're eventually going to run out of that. It's not necessarily easier to build a fire, but more practical to build a fire to cook and heat up your food. Exactly. If you were a kid, you might just grab a lighter and matches and run with that. It's small, Mm -hmm. it's compact, easy to grab, easy to have. Camp stove, it's too much maintenance for a child. And at 10 years old, I don't know if I could work a camping stove. That's a good point. I mean, we talked last time about um, mysterious things being missing from the tribe, like bikes. And there weren't very many lighters featured. Were there any lighters featured in the tribe? I don't Uh, know. I only no. saw matches. I don't remember a lighter. I don't think it was lighter. Yeah. I just, I just remember the matches because of Top Hat threatening to set and, uh, on fire. Did, didn't Ebony have matches at one point too? Yeah. yeah. I don't remember lighters. But then again, lighters also run off of fuel. Yes, they're like cheap and all, but eventually the lighters are going to run out. It's just, yeah, it's just one of those strange emissions again. Like, <laughs> yeah. One of the other lighters. No, no lighters, no cigarettes. 
Yeah, that's the other one. That's the one bad message we will not teach the children. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing too. Like, we'll we'll have them drink, but let's not have them smoke. <laughs> yeah, let's get I them mean, yeah, that, up. That wouldn't go fight, go bust past the senses. Yeah, but. <laughs> And I think you actually mentioned something, uh, Hill, that I probably has a part of it. You had mentioned that with all this dark subject matter, mm-hmm. you know, you're trying to get past the censors. There's a lot of things you have to let just, we can't have this. Oh, yeah. We want to be able to have these important subjects that we're going to cover. Yeah, no one's smoking. You know? <laughs> and, I, and I think that plays into it, though, because, like, if you were to ask you know, like the writers or if you're like, okay, so we already have like seven shows that deal with smoking, but there's nothing to deal with drinking. Like, let's go to that side versus that side so that we can add this on top of it and get our show made. And I seriously wouldn't trade the subject matter that did get covered. Oh, no. Little incidentals. You know, I, I think the subject matter was so important and so well handled, especially yeah. the bulimia subplot, which I won't get into, but I do think it was really well handled. Um, and I don't think, you know, they didn't, they didn't decide to touch the surface area crap that children were being taught. Exactly. They were like, kids are dealing with much more serious, you know, situations let's talk about those dark situations. And if that means we have to sacrifice some of the other realistic aspects of life, that's what we'll do. And I, I do believe that's why I like the tribe and I still like the tribe was they didn't kind of like the Mrs. Doubtfire theory. They didn't dumb things down for kids. Like they yeah. talk to children as people. And that was just cool. Like, and they didn't take for a, granted that kids actually do deal with this stuff. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it was cool to see that in a show. Like, oh, it's a show for kids that's actually talking to me like I'm a person. Stop it. You're frightening the little ones. They should be frightened. And so should you. What are we going to do, Jack? You've no choice. You open up, let us in, and maybe we'll help you. Maybe. I don't trust you. Trust? We're talking about survival here. This is your only chance. Do it. Do it, Jack. Okay, let's uh, talk about Lex for a moment because he's obviously such a fun character. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, what, were you, what were your thoughts about his kind of scare tactics to everyone to get them to release him from the grill? Um, I, Lex is obviously quite socially aware. and I like how he kind of tuned his bully tactics to really scare them into letting him go. Um, Oh, yeah, what did you think about Lex? It was a smart move. Very <laughs> smart. He's more clever than Suit. Yeah. He's very clever. You know, he's yeah. definitely, he can read the room. He gets That's what how... I was just about to say. I'm sorry. Hill, <laughs> go ahead, sweetie. No, 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 no. Boo. You talk about <laughs> This is my boo. Don't tell him that. No. Uh, no, but he is. He's very able to read the room. One of my things with Lex, Lex <laughs> has this ability to kind of figure things out before they happen you know so much was said about you know locking up lex and his crew but then bray somehow gets this free pass to come in and in the end who's the one who winds up walking off with a bunch of their food it is bray he has a reason but you know even with like stealing the water he he's looking out for himself but then winds up in this weird situation of the water tank has now 
gotten a crack and the only water we have is what I've stashed away for my own personal reason. I've always thought that was a neat thing. Well, that Lex told the war. <laughs> Lex is, no, that like in weird backward ways, he helps. Uh. Like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> after my whole life. I think he saw it that way as well. I mean, mm -hmm. the water thing, Lex was just looking out for him for himself. Yeah. He was hiding out for himself. But he was not planning he on sharing that share with that. anyone. He's not going to save the day with his water but stash. Then it, like, he, like, but he doesn't share his water stash with anybody. So it didn't help anyone but No, but him. they still had water. <laughs> yeah, but not because of Lex. It's not like he was like, it's not like he went and said, oh, look at this. It's a good thing I saved all this water. I get to no. share it with you guys. He did Fine. not. <laughs> but still, that's my thing. No, you're right about Lex being able to see forward because he is looking out for himself and there's absolutely nothing wrong. I'll just say that Lex is the blue collar worker and he's smart and clever and has to work very hard to get what he gets. Mm -hmm. I'd agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> Who's this? Bray. He does tricks. I don't like tricks, Bray. Stop it, Lex. He just wants shelter. Can he speak for himself? We've already got one deaf one here. Bray, are you dumb? I don't shoot my mouth off. You call that dumb? Speaking of Lex... <laughs> We're moving on! <laughs> it was quite cool how both Lex and Bray instantly see the true self of each other. You see what I mean? Yeah. Like how uh, Bray instantly sees that Lex is a bully boy, but Lex, at the same point, can see how Bray is as, as a charmer to get his own way. And it's quite cool how they both instantly saw that in each other. Mm -hmm. They probably met a lot of people who were like that in high school. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I just, oh no, I think it goes back to some of the behind the scenes cast house stuff. Personally, like. Because they were kind of close in the cast house. Two. Uh, Dwayne and Caleb. Because mm -hmm. like, you can't fake that. Like You can try, but I think you, there's always a fakeness when you try to make some of that happen on set. Which is why even like growing up and getting into the behind the scenes of how things are made, I thought that was neat that they kept them in a house. The cast members lived together while they were shooting. It's cool. Yeah, it definitely helped with the bond because, yeah, like that tension between them was really cool to see. Yeah, and I mean, imagine if you had to work like live with your coworkers because that's essentially what they were doing. Like how your place in the workplace would be different based on like, you know, the guy who snores, but you happen to share a room with him or whatnot. That's going to be something to add for the. Next time you guys do interviews, did you? Who was the one that snored in the game? There was the worst wasn't one. there one. Like I, there was one that uh, Tribe World did, and I think they said someone does snore, but I they never said who. It was all very like someone stains the sheets all the time, and like there's a whole <laughs> list of things. Someone, one of the cast members, <laughs> likes to read comic books before bed, which I'm pretty sure was Mike. I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, when you, when you say stay in the bed, <laughs> like with the hair dye, hair dye, guys, okay. hair dye, the hair dye stained the sheet. I swear that I'm gonna have to find that. It, 
it just sounded so wrong. I know. Yeah. I, I shouldn't lead off with that one. Oh, so wrong. Okay, well, fine. Someone reads comic books before bed. Um, and, like, I know Dwayne set up, like, an art studio in the garage of one of the houses. Yeah. Um, they also did karaoke part. Like, th- it's one of the coolest behind-the-scenes interviews, like, I've ever seen. So, it- check that one out if you haven't. That just makes me love the cast yeah. even more. Oh, speaking of, yeah, speaking of fun, uh, I'm having fun. I do like um, in the, the scene where um, Lex is teasing Amber and you see Ashraf really struggling to keep <laughs> yes. his composure during that scene where Lex tells Amber to keep, was it, um, her knickers in a twist over a yeah. Yes. <laughs> and he's just trying really hard not to laugh. <laughs> it's so funny. You were supposed to be in charge. Not anymore. The terms have changed. It's my turn now. No more of your sweet face and your do-gooding. And didn't Bray look like such a nice boy? Got us a long way, didn't it, Amber? You getting your knickers in a twist about lover boy? Oh, Ryan, help me, help me. She's gonna tear me apart. I don't know how you lot have lasted this long. You've all had more luck than you deserve. My bet is that Mr. Wonderful will be back. Only this time there'll be others. It is great to see them have so much fun. You know, because, and I think even looking at later bits in season one and even later shows, like, when the kids are kids, Mm -hmm. that is always, like, my favorite part. Like, I think my favorite scene, hands down, is the paint fight that they have somewhere in season one. Like, at the end of the day, it has nothing to do with the show but it was just like we have this paint let's do it let's film it whatever and it is one of my favorites because it's just kids being kids yeah that was that was such a great moment just to remind like remind themselves remind everyone that they they are just kids yeah (laughs) they were having fun it was it was so cool we've been on the move for a week she needs somewhere to have the baby this is the safest place we've found no and you speak for the whole group, do you? Of course you can stay. There's plenty of room. She can stay, can't she, Amber? Does she want to stay? I've got a name. Sorry. Do you want to stay, Trudy? Yes. Please? Cool, so final thoughts on the episode. Um, obviously, we see Bray stealing from the mall before mysteriously vanishing. Um, that gives us a great big tribal moment where Everyone suddenly comes together, weapons in hand, to protect what little they have. Um, it's quite a heartwarming, Dean. Um, what did you think about, again, the bonds beginning to form within them all? One of the things that really struck me in that moment was that Amber's first response was, he took my food. Yeah. yeah. And they quickly shoot her down on that, too. Yeah. Like, it's all our no, food. No, it's all of our food. Like, you made us bring up your food, and now you're getting angry. I also like that one of the kiddos, and I don't know if it was, might have been Amber, it might have been someone else, I can't think of it. Uh, they grabbed a, a table leg to like use as a weapon. Oh, yeah. Always so cracked me up. <laughs> like, Amber takes so, the uh, table leg. Yeah. Jack picks up a, a cricket bat. A cricket bat. Yeah. A, a golf club. Oh. <laughs> it's like, really, guys? Like, I, I want the deleted scene with Amber trying to get that table leg because. <laughs> 
like, <laughs> once again, there's a sporting goods store. There's not another cricket bat. Like, I always wish that Dow had picked up the cricket bat though, because I know it's a small thing. Yeah. Because later yeah. on, we see obviously the note where he was going to play cricket with his dad. It would have been really yeah. nice to kind of put that scene in. With it. Yeah. Maybe he's like, no, nah, I'm too good with a cricket bat. You take this. <laughs> like, I don't want to show you guys up with my mad skills. Because <laughs> Dal would totally say mad skills. <laughs> it says a lot about how they're together out of necessity. You know, mm -hmm. they they don't have a choice. They've got they, This is all they have. They trusted a very pretty face, a charming person. That person screwed them over. You know, Amber has to concede that maybe Lex had a point, you know. Um, <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> and I, I like in that. That's it, also kind of foreshadows their life in the mall, that when there's no outside threat, they tend to focus on really petty things. But as soon as something outside comes in and threatens them, they refocus and remember the whole point of this little project. Yeah. Of theirs. That leads us on to our favorite quotes of the week. And now, yeah, this we were talking about this earlier. This is a really tough one because there's so many great lines in episode two. Um, but for me personally, I'm gonna have to just just go with Amber and Dow in the sewers. We could get lost down here. Lost only matters when you've got a hole, Dow. Thanks for reminding me. Such a powerful line that yeah, they, they don't have a home, so being lost doesn't matter. It's always that line always stuck with me. It's a great line. It is. Yeah. Of course, mine's favorite will always be the ketchup line. <laughs> always and forever. I don't believe you. You have ketchup. I love ketchup. Not practical, huh? I take it all back. This man has ketchup. Because <laughs> you really think about that, how much you would miss condiments. Yeah. You know, just little things. I would miss Caesar salad dressing <laughs> so much. <laughs> you would win my loyalty <laughs> it makes you wonder though like what is that one condiment that if you finally found would you just be like end of the earth i am with you your ride or die condiment <laughs> yeah i do love like dal's expression in that whole but as he says that whole line he's just, he's just so excited to have this back in his life it's just he <laughs> <laughs> forgives cool. jack for everything yeah yeah, I take it all back. This man has ketchup. I'm I'm still very much in doubt because <laughs> I really love Patsy's line. The moment he sees pregnant Trudy walk in with Bray, I know what that is. That's a baby. I know what that is. That's a baby. <laughs> Here's a gold star, Patsy. <laughs> right? I think this episode has a lot of really good like one-liner. Some of the real big like home-hitting one-liner are in this episode of all of them i'm still stuck with the one the with the other one with amber and trudy in my head because you have the moment where she said where bray is asked does he want to stay and trudy's first response is i've got a name yeah that's a good line because everyone at that point in time is treating trudy like an object yeah. And the one time she speaks up for herself with a, hey, I'm a human being, I actually have a name. That yeah. whole mm -hmm. scene, I'm trying to make sure it is actually that scene, which I think it is, um, is an awesome scene. I like Patsy's in that with a, 
when when Lex asks, "Who's this?" and Betsy goes, "This is Bray. He does tricks." And then Lex goes, "I don't like tricks." Like it actually kind of bugs me when I see it because it just reminds me that if Bray had gone about this a different way, he would have never put Trudy in this position. Yeah. You know, it's like he he had this this tribe's trust. Mm-hmm. And then he immediately breaks it and then brings her back into the situation. Yeah. Like, thanks, Bray. Exactly. Like, Thank you so much. Because she's probably not that far from. He could have been like, listen, guys, I don't mean you any harm. I got this chick like upstairs. She's pregnant. Like, can we have a place? I need a safe place. Yeah. Can, yes. Can we come? Can we come Instead in. Taking their food and leaving. And then coming back with leave a, a note. Yeah. Like. Right, like, dude, no wonder they were like, we we can't and trust once you. Once again, Bray, you set her up. What is wrong with you? Once again, who didn't trust Bray from the get-go? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but remember, the only reasons he didn't trust he Bray, does tricks. Because Bray was a threat. Yes. He does tricks. He does. Tricks. And does. <laughs> Bray does do tricks. Yeah, he does, he does. do tricks. He's like Sasha in that. It's a vanishing act, though. We'll get into this in later episodes, but yeah, Bray... <laughs> Bray is very aloof and he doesn't want any responsibility at all. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll come to that. And yet he does. Yeah, we'll come to that. I, lo- I love manipulative yeah. Bray. I do. <laughs> He's so much more interesting. So thank you to the panel. Uh, obviously, everyone who's listening, please do send in your comments. Or if you've got any suggestions about the podcast, do get in touch and we'll hope to read them out in a future episode. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.